The first question, Adam, is your preference in and out or five guys? Man, uh, five guys is my initial answer because the burgers are so good and they just go nuts on the fries. I got to say that's true. My checkbook doesn't love when I go to five guys. Um, and, uh, it's a sore spot in my marriage because my wife prefers in and out. So thank you okay. for opening up yeah. a really sore spot right out the gate. Yeah. We're but, digging uh, it hard in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so five guys, uh, if I have to be honest, although I love in and out, don't get me wrong. I'll take in and out any day of the week. Yeah. In and out is delicious. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's great. Yeah. Of course. I don't want to knock it. But uh, no. If you have to pick one, right. These are two good choices. Right, exactly. That's what makes this a great question. <laughs> yes. You can't really be that wrong. <laughs> Welcome to 10 Questions with 10 Pastors. Brought to you by Gateway Seminary. With your host, Tyler Sanders. With us today is Adam Chrisman. He's senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Claremont, and that would be Claremont uh, outside of La Jolla, San Diego, mm -hmm. yeah, in California. That's great. Uh, Adam earned an MDiv and his PhD from then Golden Gate, now mm -hmm. Gateway. Wait, did you get your PhD? That would have been Gateway. I got one huh? degree under one Golden point. Gate and another degree under Gateway, so have that you, was fun. Do you still have your Golden Gate I sure diploma? do. It's on my wall. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I haven't switched mine out yet. Yeah, That's yeah. great. Okay, well, that was our first question. I told you that was the toughest one. Um, that's oh, the most gotcha one. Um, <laughs> and maybe it did get you with your wife. Uh, my next question is, what are you reading right now? Uh, I, I like to rotate between multiple books. So I'm, uh, I take a little bit during the week to read parts of different things. So I'm reading, uh, I think it's Growing Up by Robbie Gallaty. Uh, okay. I'm rereading Gentle and Lowly with my church staff uh, by Dane Ortland. I think that one's come up on the podcast previously. Um, and then uh, I'm reading a little bit of uh, the sermons of C.H. Spurgeon. Mm. Um, that's everything I've opened right now. I've got other books that are in this in the pile, but I haven't started reading them. So when yet. you say you do that in rotation, you're kind of switching between all those books during the week. Yeah. So one day I'll read some from this, mm. and then a different day I'll read some from that. Nice. Um, I don't do one book start to finish before I start another one. Yeah. 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 It's because they're, you know, they're in different areas of life. So like the, sure. The Gality book is about discipleship. The gentle and lowly is about uh, the heart of Christ and who he is. And mm. I'm reading through that with my staff as a way to just connect with them and lead them in a way that I can. And this, uh, I'm new to this church. And so I'm just mm. trying to find a simple, basic way to lead them in this time where I don't, I don't know them super well yet. I've only been there several, just a handful of months. Um, and then something like the sermons of C.H. Spurgeon is to edify my soul and then maybe to glean something that I could use in my own preaching as well, you know? Right. So. Now, um, speaking of church, when you're preparing big picture sermons, um, how are you outlining themes? How are you approaching big series if you do that? What, what's your approach? So, I, I mean, I love verse by verse through a book, but um, one of the one of the things that sticks with me in my planning is I don't want to just do it verse by verse and stay there to to the detriment of bringing new first-time guests on board with what the church is doing. So um, so I, I basically have two books going and you know until I finish them. And then in between, at certain points, we will pivot to a limited series where we do something else as mm -hmm. a kind of change of pace, 
uh, another on-ramp for first-time guests. Yeah. And uh, I can kind of build into the life of the church. Hey, invite your guests. They're starting a new series next week sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, for example, when I started at this church, um, I began a verse-by-verse series through Matthew and preached that for a while and then pivoted to a verse-by-verse series through Genesis. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right now I am in the midst of a, a topical series, which is the weirdest sermon series I've ever heard of. Um, I'm doing a, a, the, the frame of this series is movie monsters. Yeah. Vampires, werewolves. Oh, okay. Uh, Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Nonsense like that. Like yeah. utter nonsense. I totally admit. But um, we're in October and I'm trying to get first time guests who've never heard the gospel. Right to hear the gospel. And we know that this is a huge cultural thing at this point in our country. We know that a lot of families spend more money on Halloween than they spend on Mm. Christmas at this point, Mm. you know, in the 21st century. And I'm just trying to connect with people in ways that are authentic to who I am, you know? And for me, I like these cheesy monster movies. I watch the Bela Lugosi 1931 Dracula movie every year. Yeah, I do. I'm a huge nerd, and I, I'm just going to own it. Is that it. like a Halloween tradition? Or yeah, just, sometime yeah. in October, I'm going to yeah. try to fit it in, and we've we've watched that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like those old classic cheesy ones. I like the more modern cheesy ones as well, like yeah. from the 60s. and so, You know, like Godzilla movies and right. nonsense like that. Yeah. And so it just gives me a chance. Of, of So for this particular series, the point is to preach the gospel. Yeah. In a, in a direct and simple way through a particular passage that happens to connect with one of these these themes that we're going yeah. with. So um, this last Sunday, I preached Galatians 6, 7 through 9 about um, reaping and sowing and mm-hmm. how if you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. As you sow to the spirit, you will reap eternal life. And uh, the movie monster I connected with that was Godzilla because yeah. the whole theme of those movies is very much the negative side of that where yeah, yeah. the hubris aspect of yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And so my my thought big picture wise is create on ramps for new people. I want to go verse by verse because I want to be able to deliver the whole counsel of God to people. It it helps me to get them the whole big picture of a book yeah. without giving me an uh, an easy out on perhaps a difficult yeah, passage a or yeah. yeah, something hard to say to yeah. uh, that particular culture or those people yeah. or whatever. It doesn't let me out. But um, it, uh, doing it in this way allows those on-ramps, allows me to, to, to speak on other topics at various points through the year. Yeah. Um, you know, as Baptists, we, we uh, maybe sometimes kind of poo-poo the idea of a church calendar, but we all know that we all have a church calendar. We all preach a Christmas series. That's right. We right. all preach on the family at some point. We all yeah. preach on tithing at some point. We all preach on this or that or the other thing. Let's just own it and yeah. just say— Okay, we have a church calendar that we prefer, but we don't want to be beholden to somebody else's church calendar. We're doing yeah. ours. Yeah. So that's, and that's, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's okay. Yeah. In terms of, I'm a Baptist. This is what I do. Here we go. That's you right. Know? right. Like I have a Christmas series coming up. Of course. And um, I'm just going to acknowledge that, yeah, that's part of our church calendar. We have a church, we're a Baptist church calendar. We're not Catholics, we're not Anglicans, but we got a yeah. church calendar. Yeah. And so we, you know, you fit that stuff in. So anyway, here and there between the other, kind of topical series like this weird one in October, the Christmas one, we'll come back to those other verse-by-verse series mm-hmm. and continue moving yeah, forward. Yeah, working through those books. So in Matthew, I worked from verse chapter 1, verse 1, through the end of chapter 4, 
of Matthew. And then when we get back, we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount for a couple of weeks before we pivot to this Advent Christmas series. Yeah. And then we'll do uh, Seek Ye First the Kingdom of God as a whole sermon series for Mm -hmm. about three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to come back to Matthew. And so we're going to keep coming back to it over the course of time. Yeah. You know, Um, so that's basically my thought and, and structure there. So then the next question is more on the micro level. How do you go like week to week? Um, and that may change. It kind of sounds like I would assume it would if you're, you know, when you're going verse by verse, your preparation is probably different than a movie monster series, right? Right, where you're in different places. That's true. Because yeah. yeah. in October right now, I'm in all kinds of different books. I'm in Romans. I'm in Galatians. I'm in Corinthians. Yeah. Like, um, that's true. Um, so for the verse by verse stuff, uh, you got to work really hard at really getting a big picture understanding of your book before you start preaching that book, you know? Um, so for me, like I worked hard on, <clears throat> on Matthew and on Genesis to kind of get myself into a place where Thank you. I was ready to connect any single piece to the whole hmm. of whatever that book is doing. And then whatever that book does in the midst of the biblical canon, you yeah. know? Um, but then when you come to these, these more isolated series, um, I spend time, uh, refreshing myself on the study of that book and mm. then uh working hard to connect that particular piece to its surrounding context right and then preaching that right um and so that's essentially how that works uh for me i do a lot of work when i do my sermon calendar prep i do a lot of work for that week or two um pouring into the prep so for example um i at this point i am totally ready in terms of a sermon brief like that the outline the main point all of that stuff yeah i'm totally ready through father's day of next year oh wow that's all ready okay and so week to week how that looks for me is um for the the verse by verse stuff like matthew and genesis right now for me um that stuff is is uh, a little easier in a sense because i've done so much heavy lifting yeah in terms of the book the whole book and the sermon brief prep and so when I come to it, it's really a lot more diving deep into the passage itself, yeah. connecting it to its surrounding context, yeah. and really finding the best way to communicate what's here. Yeah. You know? Well, this is a bonus question. Sure. This isn't one of the 10. Oh, oh, oh no. Are you writing like a full manuscript? No, no. I do not write full manuscripts. Okay. Uh, I used to. Hmm. Um, when I was uh, first learning how to preach, I manuscripted everything. I had page after page of notes because I wanted it in a bigger font that I could make sure to read yeah, yeah, yeah. while I'm at the at yeah. the pulpit. Um, but at this point, I try to take one piece of paper with me up to the pulpit so that everything is on one sheet. There's no turning pages. Yeah. There's no stapling yet. There's no yeah. pieces getting lost. There's none of that stuff. Right. No order. Yeah. Mess-ups. yeah. So I work, I work really, really hard during the week leading up to um, the, here's the way it works. I actually work really hard on next week's sermon mm-hmm. the week bef- before it happens. Yeah. Um, so when I get done with the convention, for example, tomorrow, I'm going to be working on not this ser- Sunday's sermon as much as I'm going to be working on the following Sunday's sermon. Right. Because this Sunday's sermon is ready. It's ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was inspired by, um, I think it was Derwin Gray talked about his sermon prep is that he finishes his sermon by noon on Monday so that he has the rest of the week for it to percolate and for him to reconsider things yeah. in a fresher way that he could communicate. Yeah. Um, and I was challenged by that because I'm used to 
finish it by Thursday, you know, get it done by Thursday. That was right. used to be my habit. Yeah. And um, the stress and you stay late and then, you know, your wife's calling you like, are you ever coming home? And I'm like, right. oh, the sermon's not done. You got to finish it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm putting more work into it up front so that when the week is coming, yeah, actually I'm, I'm largely done with it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm just yeah. fine tuning it at that point. Yeah. Um, so that's essentially how that works. Um, yeah. During the week, uh, you know, leading up to the actual Sunday sermon, I will refer, I'll go back over things like the Greek or the Hebrew yeah. to just kind of refine again, like, did I really get that right on how to understand that word or phrase or yeah. how, how they connect together? Yeah. And um, I might I might freshen up a couple of illustrations where I go, you know what, I'm gonna that one's not working. I, I'm not committed to that anymore. Yeah. And I'll take that one out and then I'll think through what's a, what's a better illustration to make yeah, that sure. point, yeah. you know? And so uh, what I print from my computer is one thing. And then during the week, as I tweak it, I, ha I do handwritten notes in the margins around oh, sure. yeah, that yeah. outline where I just, yeah. I just jot it in. And so yeah. like, sometimes that one sheet is very densely packed with, yeah. with text, you know, yeah. that I've, I've handwritten around the printed stuff. Right. So. Right. Okay. Now, um, what's the most difficult passage you've preached on? I I don't know how to answer that off the top of my head. Okay. Um, definitely some of the hardest ones are the 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 more direct obedience-related passages because hmm. I think it's hard to it's hard to balance preaching in a regular Sunday service where you've got people who've been Christians for 60 years yeah. who believe Jesus, follow Jesus, read their Bible, do what they're supposed to do. Uh, or at least in large part, and uh, at the same time, having a first-time guest who's literally never heard the gospel before. Right. How do you preach an obedience-centered passage to both people? Yeah. Like how do you provide a meal for both of them yeah. in your preaching? That's really difficult, yeah. in my opinion. I think that's probably one of the hardest things to, yeah, sure. to do is yeah. to try to prepare content for everybody in the room. Yeah. You know? Um, so... Yeah, that's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So I say that's a challenge. So, for example, uh, I mentioned I preached Galatians 6 this most recent Sunday. Yeah. Um, that's very obedience oriented. Yeah. You know, and so um, I had to build into the structure of the message a, a, a point where I communicated to the first time hearers of the gospel and our first time guests who. Uh, some of them come late, you know, sometimes, and I don't, I have no idea where they are with the Lord. Yeah. This might for them also be the first time they've ever read the gospel or maybe the, you know, 10,000th time, but uh, just building in a point where I'm, I'm sure I can go home in clear conscience, knowing I preach specifically the gospel to them Yeah. and how it connects with what we were talking about Yeah. and why, what we were talking about really you know why we do that as a result of jesus's saving work and our new nature and yeah all of those things that go yeah. along with it you know yeah. so we focus a lot on preaching um and, and this may be an answer to the next question what do you feel like is a sweet spot and what's maybe a growing edge for you um in terms of like roles or responsibilities as a pastor okay um sweet spot for me is um is probably trying to be in leadership in a one-on-one -on -one where we're, I'm meeting with a team leader, I'm meeting with a staff member, and we're talking through what they've got on their plate. And I'm yeah. trying to give them guidance and direction and solve problems with them, that sort of thing. Yeah. I think that's kind of a sweet spot for me. Okay. Um, 
uh, I'd like to say preaching, but I'm not sure. <laughs> trying to stay humble. I don't, yeah. I, it's hard to do that, so I don't know. Um, uh, and then as far as growing edges, um, that's definitely with, well, I don't know if I would say definitely now that I think about it, but um, trying to move groups of people when when they are used to certain things, trying to move them to okay. what's the next thing. Yeah, It's yeah, not necessarily yeah. that where you're at is bad, but there's always a next right. step. Right. Like the Lord is not taking you home. He's got a mission for you to do still. Yeah. That means you have an active, you know, an active role to play in some sense. Yeah. You know, I may not know what that is. I may never know what that is, but trying to help them not stay put you know what I mean? In terms of mindset yeah. or, or what have you. And is that, is that a, um, is that about helping people kind of see what that next step is, what the vision is, or is it? The hard part is helping them catch the vision as a group. Okay. And that's specifically what I'm thinking of. I, yeah. I don't know if I'm communicating it very well, but, um, cause when you're in a group of people and they're talking and they're used to each other, cause they've known each other for, you know, 10 years or 20 yeah. years or something. And you're you're the newer guy. Uh, for me, I'm the brand new guy. I've been at this church, as I mentioned, less than a year. Yeah. Um, uh, they can get into this kind of unintentionally. I think they're well intentioned, but they can get into this kind of groupthink moment mm. where um, they kind of lock up and go, "But we've always done it this way, and that's just what we're going to do." And whereas when I'm individually one on one with them, it's much easier to communicate. Don't don't you see the value of this? Or, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, right, right, like let's right. say this church has always done event X, Y, Z. And um, at this point, the only people that that really ministers to yeah. are the people who've been around for 30 years. Yeah. And they love that because they always do that at that whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. But it appeals to literally no new people. Sure, yeah. You know, even new people in the same age category. Yeah. Just because that's not their tradition. Right, right, And right. so moving it maybe from a church function to a family function or changing the church function in this way or that way so that we open a door for for new people to get in yeah. on that tradition yeah. and be excited to be a part of that part of the life of the church yeah. you know yeah um yeah so um take this next one as seriously or not seriously as you want my answer would not be very serious okay what's a specific swing and a miss you've had in mastering um i uh I have a very active sense of humor, I would say, and um, I don't, I don't preach to look funny or to be funny, but I use jokes in my sermons. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's been, I can't even count how many jokes that I've thrown out there that were absolutely the wrong call to make in that moment. Like, they didn't land. They weren't funny. Yeah. They didn't do anything for the people in the pews. Yeah. And I realized in the moment that was that was not bad. what I should have done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That is like without a doubt. Uh, I've misfired. And it's not that they were offensive jokes or anything like that. Like they were they were they were above board, clean jokes. It's yeah. not that they were yeah. wrong in any sense in terms of their content. Yeah. It's that it didn't fit the moment. And right, what right. I needed to really do was keep the tone the same yeah. rather than divert into a joke and then come back. Yeah. Um and so I, I've absolutely done that more than once. Yeah. Um, I've had, uh, I've done that a couple of times where one person 
<laughs> give me a little pity laugh in like the back pew. <laughs> and then I've had other times where the room is dead silent and I go, yeah. why did well, I do that? Why yeah. did I do that? <laughs> Time to get back on track. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's something that you, um, you think a pastor cannot learn in seminary? Cannot learn in seminary. I think, I think learning the actual, what it really feels like to, to take the long view in working towards the unity of a group hmm. in making decisions and moving forward. Okay. So it's very important to me that, um, the church make decisions together. We're yeah. a congregational style church. We're a congregational style convention. Yeah. And um, for us, we don't have a bishop or a pope uh, or or any single pastor who is going to tell everybody what to do yeah. and how to do it. And so um, for me, it's very important to work towards the unity before we pull the trigger on any decision. Yeah. Um, uh, I frequently use a metaphor that I heard, I don't know, decades ago from who knows who, but working so that all wheels of the cart face the same direction. Mm. And um, that can take so long. Yeah. I'm not sure people can really learn it in seminary. And I did not learn it in seminary. Yeah. Um, I learned about it yeah, in yeah, seminary, yeah. certainly at an academic level. Yeah. Um, I learned about it, but in terms of actually learning yeah, how what you do, do you it, do, the practice. what does it feel like? What kind yeah. of patience do you need? Yeah. Uh, what do you tell yourself in the midst of like, how are they still not getting it? Like I've got, these two thirds of people get it. This one third still yeah. does. How do they, you know, how do you talk to yourself and to the Lord when, you know, when you express yourself to him and you're going, this change is necessary. I know it's necessary. Yeah. Like we're, you know, we got to do this or what have you. And so you have to, you know, you have to actually go through those things in real, in real time. Yeah. Where you can learn that kind of submission to the people. Yeah. You know, at, we are a congregational body yeah. and I, as their pastor, even as they're as someone who gives them leadership and direction, I must submit to them as yeah. well as yeah. we mutually submit. There's going to be trust there. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We are going to do this together or we're not doing it. Yeah. Is essentially what I would sum that up as. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's, what's the opposite for this? Like, what's something that anyone going to seminary, they have to learn it? What's like that one thing you can't leave seminary without? One thing, man. That's a good question. Um, I mean, there's so many things that you can go through seminary for that are important and good to learn and that you frankly should learn, but to boil it down to one thing that you absolutely cannot miss if you're going to go to seminary and do that sort of thing. Since I'm not entirely sure, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the answer that is the one I feel strongest about. Okay. Is that is that full uh, <laughs> openness about it right here? So here's my answer. Put yeah. put a red flag on it if you want. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think you absolutely have to learn to die to yourself mm. in seminary. Mm. And um, one of the things that I learned in in doing my work in the seminary was to die to myself again and again and again and again, because I think when people we have so many. Uh, Christians online, lay people, pastors, whoever, who are such loudmouth braggarts 
mm. who are um, swinging clubs around at each other, dividing yeah. one brother from another. There's no dying to self there at all. Yeah. And it grieves me that so many of these people have gone through seminary for an MDiv or for one of the other various degrees that the seminaries offer. They've gone through an entire experience, uh, educational experience, being exposed to leaders who um, taught them, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And yet they did not seem to learn dying to self, which is, which is a, a very crucial part of Christian theology and ethics. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, since I have to pick one thing, yeah, I will pick uh, that, that. That's a great answer. Uh, you have to learn to die to self while yeah. you're in seminary. And that's not a class they offer. Exactly. There's not a, a class in that, but it's something. It's, it's an kind overall of a, experience. Yeah. I learned that through the papers, yeah. through, through um, doing the work of reading the book that I didn't want to read right. alongside the book I did want to read. Yeah. And I learned that through my doctorate. That was that was the main thing I think I learned maybe in my doctorate. If you set aside the academic things that I, I did yeah. and you talk about character and skills. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that maybe the one thing I, I most learned through my doctorate work was dying to self. Yeah. Because when you've got when you've got pushback on your your way of talking about that passage of scripture right. or pushback on how you think that theological theme should be understood or uh, on how the church should be organized or how ministry should happen or how preaching should occur or uh, evangelistic strategies or whatever. When you get, when you get pushed and pushed and pushed again and again and again and again and again, and you accept that. Yeah. Not, not necessarily accepting that you're wrong, but accepting I got pushed because I might be wrong. Right. Let me now go back and examine whether or not I was wrong. Right. About that. Yeah. And incorporating, hopefully, yeah. Lord willing, if it's at all creditable, incorporating the criticisms and the pushbacks yeah. where you can say, you know what? I, I think Tim Keller talks about this a lot, where he mm-hmm. talks about when you receive criticism, look for however much of that is true mm-hmm. and incorporate that into your life. Yeah, You know, even if it's 1% of what they said, yeah. you could still yeah. say, all right, well, but that's true. Yeah. So I'm not going to throw out the truth, even though the 99% is yeah. wrong. Yeah, um, that's good. So that's what I'd say. I think that's a great answer. My final question for you: uh, How did you meet Jesus? Uh, I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. Um, my father was a pastor before he died, hmm. and my mother was a journeyman with IMB, wow, uh, Foreign Mission Board at the time. Yeah, and uh, so I went to church every Sunday, every Sunday night. Every Wednesday night, like all that stuff, did all the things, and I thought I was Christian. Yeah. Uh, I went forward during VBS as a third grade, after third grade, mm-hmm. thought I was saved, but I was really doing it because everybody else was doing it. Sure. And I uh, got wet just like everybody else, right? Yeah. Went through the baptismal waters and thought I was good. Yeah. And then I proceeded to live the worst years of my life in terms of morality, mm. uh, two facedness, like all the things uh, that I've, the worst things I've done, I did in that stretch of time. Mm. And then um, uh, after my eighth grade year of school, I went to a church camp at Jeunesse Park Christian Camp. Okay. Uh, had a great week at Centrifuge and uh, went home, told my mother all about it. And she was like, that's great. And then um, she went to bed, I thought. I got on the phone. And this is back in the days when we still had phones with cords. And so yeah. I'm tethered to the kitchen. Yeah. 
and I'm in the kitchen and I'm cussing up a storm and I'm nasty as all get out to yeah. this friend of mine. We're just talking and I'm just being awful on the phone. And uh, while on the phone, I turn around and my mother's standing there with her arms crossed. And she heard, I don't know how much she heard, yeah. but she definitely Enough. heard what I was like Yeah, for real in that yeah. moment. She caught the other face being yeah. shown. And um, I said to my friend on the phone, I said, dude, I got to go. And he said, okay. And he didn't think anything of it. I hang up. And she um, said, you didn't learn anything at that camp, did you? Why did you go? Why did we spend that money? And she expressed her disappointment. And um, I felt grief in my heart that I disappointed her so bad. Yeah. And then she helped me understand in our conversation, she helped me understand if I'm this disappointed with you, how much more is the Lord disappointed because he sees it and hears everything. Yeah. And then she asked, are you really saved? Because a saved person, you know, and she launches into what a Christian lives like, mm -hmm. or at least tries to. Yeah. And um, I realized in that moment, I absolutely did not ask forgiveness of my sins for real. I've, I, I believe Jesus existed, mm -hmm. but I believe that I was safe because I was good to my grandparents and like, you know right, what I mean? Right, like right. I was good in all the right yeah. social circles and then I could live the where, where, however I wanted everywhere else. Yeah. And so I thought I was a Christian because of that mess. And she helped me understand that that's absolutely not the case and yeah. that I needed to repent for real Yeah. and ask Jesus for real to save me of my sins. Yeah. And I did. And you know what? Like in that moment, I was saved from the desire to drink any alcohol mm. and, um, and to show off to my friends yeah. and be like, like be included in social circles to be cool. Yeah. Um, now I'm in like almost no social circles, so it works. But you know, uh, yeah, I was I was really truly saved in that moment in yeah. the summer after my eighth grade year. Yeah. Um, and you know I've been as much a mess as anybody else since then. But that was where the trajectory began. Where. Yeah that's where Christ saved me. And that's the point where I started walking that path yeah. towards him. That's a great story, man. This one's for the moms. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Adam. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Thanks, and, Tyler. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. Sounds good.